are listening to the Freedom Fellowship audio podcast from Freedom Fellowship Church. Our mission is to love God, love people, and serve both. And now, let's listen in to this week's sermon. When we go through a book study, we study the verses as they come. And we don't pick out the ones that we want to talk about, Dennis. And when I saw what lay before me today, I said, Lord, really? This score, of all things, this is what you want me to talk about. God has placed it on my heart to bring a message today dealing with things that I struggle with. And that I need study, I need conviction about. And so as I speak to you this morning, it's just not you I'm talking to and those that are at home watching online, it's myself as well. Luke chapter 6, there are five life principles that Jesus teaches beginning in verse 36 and 37. And this goes through verse 49. So there's five life principles. By the way, if you... Pull up your version app on your phone. This will be in there as well. These, some of these notes will be there. Five life principles. Here they are. Beginning in verse 37. Forgiven people should forgive. Number one, forgiven people should forgive. Number two, receivers should be givers. Verse 38. Number three, don't follow the blind, verses 39 through 42. Number four, good trees produce good fruit, verses 43 through 45. And number five, truth plus obedience equals a rock-solid foundation, verses 46 through 49. These five principles that Jesus taught are what we're going to discuss this morning. Number one, forgiven people should forgive. Look at verse 36. You must be compassionate, just as your Father is compassionate. Do not judge others, you will not be judged. Do not condemn others or it come back against you. Forgive others and you will be forgiven. In the kingdom of Jesus, we have a pattern set for the way that we should give mercy to others. Jesus sets the pattern. And as Justin and I had talked, we knew that we would piggyback off each other's thoughts on judging. But I hope as I relate some things this morning that just take a little bit different approach. I've read this scripture for many years and it was one I just soon just skip over. But an example of unjust judgment would be in Matthew chapter 26, verses 6 through 13. This is a story in which Jesus was soon going to be put to death. He's meeting with his disciples, and here comes a woman who had brought in a very expensive jar of perfume. And she takes this perfume, 
and she just walks out in front of the crowd that was in that room and she gets down on her knees and she begins to wash the feet of Jesus with his perfume. Poured it out over his head, rather. So in verse 7 it said, He poured this out over his head and let this expensive perfume go down his face, down his shoulders. In verse 8, the disciples were indignant when they saw this said, What a waste! It could have been sold for a high price and the money given to the poor. And Jesus was aware of what they said and replied, Why criticize this woman for doing such a good thing to me? Judgment was passed. Because the disciples that were there saw it one way. And they saw it from a monetary view. And Jesus saw the intent of her heart. The disciples were critical. They thought she had wasted something. And they were rash and harsh in their judgment. But it wasn't a matter of sin. It wasn't she committed a sin. This is something she wanted to give. It was a matter of their own personal opinion. And Jesus responded, why criticize her? See, it's easy to become a critic. It's easy to find fault in the actions of others. And it's easy to let something that you're critical about destroy relationships. And if we're to coexist with one another, we need to be humble and gracious. That's what Jesus was teaching. So we don't have the right to decide what is sinful and what is not. God's already done that. It's in His Word. Sinful behavior is specifically outlined in Scripture. That's our guide. It's not what we think. And back up and think about this. Have you been judged? Have you been criticized for something in which you did, in which was really out of your heart? It wasn't sin. I received a letter a couple of years ago, and I've shared this with some of you before. And I, I went back and looked at that letter again. A, a letter that my cousin wrote me. A long letter. And he said, I'm concerned about the path you and Susan are taking in your spiritual walk. He was concerned because we left legalism left a denomination and he brought that up the name of the denomination he judged me it's okay but the point is we all can be very critical of one another if we don't do things exactly the way that I think you should do them but yet that's what happened here and when we talk about judging and making decisions about people we need to look past our opinions and we consult the scripture is it a sin or not you see we don't have the right to decide what is sinful and what is not God has done that he has done that and Jesus is the judge look at John 5 verse 22 in addition the father judges no one instead he has given the son absolute authority to judge. 
Jesus is the only one qualified to be a judge. God. The only one's qualified to be a judge. I'm not qualified to judge the actions of others. When I take that on that responsibility, then I've taken on something that doesn't belong to me. It's not my right to do it. Christians don't decide who goes to heaven who goes to hell. God does. God does. And we have no right to be in the judging and condemning business. But we are in the business of restoring. We have the responsibility to restore. If we have a brother or a sister who is involved in sin, it's our responsibility not to condemn them, but to restore them, according to James chapter 5. Don't judge, don't condemn. That's what Jesus was teaching. Forgiven people should forgive. Forgiven people should forgive. Why do we need to forgive? Why? Because Jesus told us to. It takes two for reconciliation, doesn't it? But you know, reconciliation may not ever take place between you and someone else, even if you forgive them. That reconciliation may never happen because it takes two to do that. And forgiving is not ignoring sin. Forgiving is not taking into account that there was sin committed. And forgiveness doesn't mean it didn't happen. We have this saying, forgive and forget. Honestly. God's the only one who can do that. Has that capability. Because God can love us unconditionally. We don't have that capability. Because sin is our nature. We hold grudges. We, we remember. Right? We remember wrongs done to us. Forgiveness, though, allows us to be able to move on. The incident happened. I was wronged. I was sinned against. I have to forgive because that follows the teaching of Jesus. We need to understand the fullness of forgiveness. Leave the judgment to God. If they don't repent, there's no reconciliation. If they do not repent, leave God to condemn, not you. You forgive and leave them to God's care. And that's difficult. Because I'm one of these people that struggle with letting it go. I don't forget. I can move on, let it go, as far as dealing with that individual. But it's God's business to judge and condemn, not mine, not yours. And this morning, let the Holy Spirit use this teaching of Jesus to convict you and to convict me. We need to allow the Holy Spirit to convict us of this. Because if we're walking around 
holding a grudge against someone, it's going to interfere with my relationship with God. Let it go. There are things that happen in life that are horrific and the hurt is beyond description. But we can't drag it around like a ball and chain for our entire lives or we live in the past. Easier said than done. But that's where we turn it over to Jesus. It's bigger than me. I can't, remember, I'm forgiven. He tells me to forgive. Don't receive forgive. just receive forgiveness. We need to give it. The difference in humanity and God is when I come to Him and I repent, God says, I forgive you and it's done because Jesus paid the price for that. Jesus' blood allows me to be absolved of that. And God forgives me completely and it is gone. It is wiped away. We have to forgive. And we have to move on. Number two, receivers should be givers. Verse 38, give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full. Press down, shaking together to make room for more. Running over and pouring to your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you give back. This, this verse that Jesus, this is the words of Jesus. And what he's talking about here is something they can understand. When they went to get grain, the grain, they'd get the sack and the grain would be poured into the sack if they were purchasing it. They just didn't stop and say that's enough. They would shake the bag and say, come on, you, just put a little bit more in here. Shake it down again, keep pouring it in there until it got to the top and run over. Oh, I'll buy it now. Have you gone to the store and bought a bag of chips? Like Sam's, they got these big bags like this, and you're going, that's a lot of chips. And you get home and open it, you find out it, it's about this far from the top. That was air. What Jesus is saying, I'm going to fill your chip bag up, it's going to fall over in your lap. That's what he's talking about here. That's what I'm going to give you. So if God says, I have given it to you, then you should give to others. Just don't receive blessings, give them. Our relationship with God shows up in our relationship with others. And our relationship with God shows up in our finances and our possessions. Receivers should be givers. Everything we have is a gift. It all belongs to God. And we take what He has given us and we glorify Him with it. And if we don't do that, then we're being greedy. Receivers should be givers. God is a generous giver. And He expects us to be. And no one can outgive God. Jesus is a gift. The Holy Spirit is a gift. Spiritual gifts are gifts. And His Word is a gift. God so loved the world that He did what? He gave. He gave. 
John 3.16 says he gave his only son. God so loved the world that he gave. We need to give of ourselves. We need to give of our lives. We need to give our finances. We need to give because we show our relationship to God through our gift. Number three, don't follow the blind. Verse 39, Then Jesus gave the following illustration. Can one blind person lead another? Won't they both fall into the ditch? Very simple. He's talking about don't follow blind teachers. Jesus is reminding us that there's some supposed leaders that are blind. And be aware of them. Religious people just as he dealt with, with the Pharisees. They knew all the rules. They knew all the things that people should do or not do. And they can talk about the Scripture. They can teach the Scripture. But they still don't have discernment. They still don't have understanding of it. And this is the kind of blindness that Jesus is referring to. Verse 40. Students are not greater than their teacher but the student who is fully trained will become like their teacher. Students become like the teachers he's talking about. And he's speaking about students and teachers of Scripture. He's saying, be careful who you follow. Be careful who you listen to in podcasts, blogs, Twitter, radio preachers. Be careful who you listen to and be careful the books you read. If they are blind, you will share in their blindness. They'll fall in the ditch. So before you start listening, before you start following teachers of the Scripture, counsel with God and pray for the Holy Spirit's guidance to give you discernment. Is this who I need to follow or not? Sounds rather drastic, doesn't it? But not everyone who teaches out of Scripture is doing so with a heart tuned in to the Holy Spirit's guidance. They're given their opinion in many times, many instances. The the you know the, the Christian world was turned upside down a few weeks ago in Ravi Zacharias after he had passed away, and they discovered all kinds of sexual sin in his life been going on for years, and he's leading a big a big uh, mission work. Be careful who you follow. Verse 41. And why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying, friend, let me get help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite. First get rid of the log in your own eye. Then you will be to see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. Have you put sin, the sin in your life to death? Is there sin in your life? And have you put it to death? How can we point out the sin of others when we have it going on in our own life? So I, I'm not doing anything wrong. You're judging that sin. Put it to death. You're condemning your sin. Put it to death. We want to restore, not condemn. 
Number four, good trees produce good fruit. Verse 43, a tree can't produce bad, uh, excuse me, a good tree can't produce bad fruit, and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. A tree is identified by its fruit. Figs are never gathered from thorn bushes, and grapes are not picked from bramble bushes. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart, and an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. From what you say flows from what is in your heart. See, Jesus is confronting one of the myths of humanity. There were all good people, and we just do some bad things. Our society believes this, that down deep inside of every person, there is purity. That's a lie. That's a myth. That is blindness to our blindness. But here's the reality. There are people who do horrific things because they are evil. Blindness to evil leads to depravity. It leads to corruption. And the truth is we're all sinners by nature, way down to our root. And that's who we are. There are people who are evil. There are people who are not evil. But we're all sinners. But to point out that there's got to be something good down deep in every one of us, is a lie of Satan. Jesus is saying a good tree can't produce bad fruit. Good tree, good fruit. Bad trees cannot produce good fruit. Here's an example. Unfortunately, being an elder and pastor, we we have seen the very good side and we've seen the ugly side of people. A woman would say, you know, my husband, my boyfriend is really a good person. He only hits me when he gets mad. But he's really a good person. He's not. He blacked your eye and broke your arm. That's not being a good person. He's full of evil. And man will say, my wife is really a good person. She just throws things and curses at me when she gets mad. What? There's evil there. That's a good job. That's a good guy over there. I, he just has issues abusing his children when he gets drunk. You see? Bad tree, bad fruit. It's ridiculous. Jesus is saying, we don't need behavior modification. He says we need behavior regeneration. Regeneration. You don't need to become a better person. You need to become a new person. The bad tree needs to be uprooted and let God plant a new one. Brother, you've been replanted. New tree. New creation. New person in Christ. 
new appetites, new passions, new desires, new pleasures. That's what Jesus said happens when God plants a new tree. New tree, good fruit. Look up here on the wall. The fruit of the Spirit. That's what we're talking about. A good tree produces good fruit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, good fruit. But some of us want to graft Jesus into our tree. Just take a little bit of Jesus and try to graft him into this old tree I have. Not being ready to submit, not being ready to give it all over to him. We're still hanging on to the world, trying to keep one foot in the world and one foot over there with Jesus. It doesn't work that way. Jesus wants our hearts because out of our heart comes the essence of who we are. Our words, our actions, our motives. That's our heart. See, our sinful nature creates within us a hardened heart and that's what sin does. So that's why I'm trying to graft Jesus into my tree that I already have. It doesn't work. It needs to be uprooted. And God plants a new tree. And Jesus will change us from the inside out. Give your sin to Jesus. He died for it. He rose from the dead for it. That's what He wants to see happen in your life. So how is your life going? Are you happy? If not, it's time to evaluate. Let Jesus replant you. Number five, verse 46 through 49. Truth plus obedience equals a rock-solid foundation. See, Jesus sums all of what He's been teaching about in this chapter 6. He sums it all up right here in these verses. He says, so why do you, so why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you won't do what I say? I will show you what it's like when someone comes to me, listens to my teaching, and then follows it. It is like a person building a house who digs deep and lays the foundation on solid rock. When the floodwaters rise and breaks against the house, it stands firm because it's well built. But if anyone who hears and doesn't obey is like a person who builds a house right, right on the ground without a foundation, and when the floods sweep in down against that house, it will collapse into a heap of ruins. The wise man built his house upon it. You remember? You see, Jesus is saying this. Why don't you do what I say? Do what I say. Come to me. Listen to my teaching. That's truth. Then he says, do what? Follow it. That's obedience. Look, this is not legalism. It's not a list of rules. It's simply Jesus saying, listen to my word. It's truth. And follow it. Obey it. Because problems will come. Hardship will come. Strife will come. And in this life, you will have trouble. A storm will hit. It's not a matter of if, it's when. And it won't be just one. 
We're not promised that our lives will be easy. Have your foundation ready. And that's based on your faith in Jesus Christ. Truth plus obedience equals a solid foundation. How important is that? Your life is at stake. Your family is at stake. That's how important it is. So what keeps you from having a firm foundation to withstand the storm? To make it through it? Is it a truth problem? Or is it an obedience problem? Because there's a problem there. There is a problem. You need to face it. Truth comes from the Scriptures. Truth comes from the conviction of the Holy Spirit. If you're not allowing the Holy Spirit to work and convict in your life, you got a truth problem. Because you're not opening your heart to it. Obedience. 1 John 3 and verse 19. Our actions will show that we belong to the truth. So, we will be confident when we stand before God. Our actions show we belong to truth. Obey the teaching of Christ and let the Holy Spirit guide you. Jesus taught these five principles because this is how lives are changed. This is how God changes us. Gives us a whole different perspective. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I'm the way. And sometimes we turn to other avenues to try to find truth. But here it is. Right here. This is it. If you've had a problem with forgiving, it's time to fix it. If you've had a problem judging, it's time to fix it. If you've had a problem giving, it's time to fix it. Let God replant you. If you're having a problem, allowing God to create within you a good tree, it's time to fix it. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. And this, we're going to pray. And at this moment as we pray, if any of the things we've talked about this morning are heavy on your heart, it's time to do something with it this morning. Ask God to plant the new new tree. Father God, we come to you. And Father, I ask that you that you put heavy on our hearts today. What we need to do to be closer to you. And if we have anything standing in the way of our relationship with you, if it is a problem we have with another person, Father, you help us forgive. If we have problems giving of ourselves, giving to you, Father, help us with that. Father, you teach us that good trees produce good fruit. Father, we pray that you lift us up, Father, and fill us with your Holy Spirit and make these changes within us. 
Thank you so much for Jesus who makes our relationship with you possible. In the name of Jesus. Thank you so much for listening to the Freedom Fellowship audio podcast. We are located at 990 West Henry de Tonti Boulevard in Tontytown, Arkansas. You can check us out on the web at freedomfellowship.com or you can find us on social media by searching Freedom Fellowship NWA. We hope you have a great week and that you live out the mission of the church, which is to love God, love others, and serve both.